Barry, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. We're in week three of our podcast series leading to Easter, and we're kind of talking about characters in the Bible and the journey that Jesus experienced on his way to the cross and ultimately the tomb and resurrection. Talking about a lot of different areas in that. Today, you're going to be talking about a very interesting character, big, plays a big role in this, name's Judas. Um, but before we get to that, before we get to meet this, I want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, why don't we just introduce yourself? What do you do here at Grace? And uh, you know, what's something about you that we need to know? I'm Barry. And <laughs> I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. Mm. And I oversee all the network and network technology in the campuses. And I'm also involved in discipleship stuff, as well as working with people with questions, skeptical hmm. stuff, deconstruction, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, we did a we did a class here uh, where we kind of spent time on that, right? Where people were able to ask hard questions. You led that. It was really cool. So we're talking about a hard topic today. Yeah. Hard one to reconcile a lot of stuff here. We're talking about Judas. And just so I'll set the stage for Judas, and then we'll see where it goes. Judas ultimately is most known for being the one who turns over Jesus for some silver, 30 coins to be exact. And that's that's what he's known for. He he turns over Jesus, Jesus gives him to the authorities for this amount of silver, which then ultimately leads to Jesus's trial and wrongful conviction and his death on the cross, which for us as Christians today is our redemption in his blood and the the resurrection that comes after that is on our faith is built on. That's what we celebrate on Easter. But still, Judas did this horrendous thing. You think about what he did and what we know about him. What's something that sticks out for you? Yeah, I think my views about Judas changed over time. Mm. I think when I first heard about him, I just kind of saw him pretty much as, geez, what a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, how could you, how could you betray Jesus yeah. and sell him out? Yeah. I think over time, my, my view has, has changed, and I, I see him much more as a tragic hmm. person yeah. who really executed, he was sort of the instrument of his own destruction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's to me, I think it's really, really difficult because I could just understand on a human level how easy it is to be self-destructive mm-hmm. and how easy it is to be self-destructive on a spiritual level. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if I think about areas in my life where I would have considered myself as being unfaithful to mm-hmm. Jesus, I could probably count dozens of yeah. them just off the top of my head. Yeah. So I think my view on him has softened a great mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. I, I have a great deal of uh, it's sadness. Yeah. I I, I have uh, uh, an empathy, I guess, for him. Yeah. Okay, let's just stop there. Go lean into the sadness a little bit. What's the sadness feeling for him? Well, I think the sadness is how the Bible describes the series of events that followed his Mm -hmm. betrayal of Jesus. I think they're they're gut-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, When you look at sort of the description of what really followed, you you, you see that, that obviously that Judas was fundamentally affected. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was... Absolutely, I think it was shattering to yeah. him. The the Bible has different sort of iterations about how it's translated, but the basic word that's used in there is one that we commonly use for repent. Mm. It's also used for remorse, mm. and so it describes in the scripture that what he feels or yeah. experiences some kind of remorse or repentance. We don't yeah. know what it is yeah. or to whom. Yeah. But what immediately follows that is he says, you know, he says, "I have sinned." I've shed innocent blood. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it could get a whole lot worse than that. And it's interesting when you think of his life, you think about him spending so much time with Jesus. 
and you watch through Scripture, you see this kind of journey of working towards this moment where Jesus had to be betrayed. He had to be turned over. It was his destination. As In an earlier podcast, we talked about how the raising Lazarus from the tomb was the thing that started this journey to the cross from him because there was the it was too big to not be seen. It was it starts that journey and he's heading to this ultimate place where the authorities are going to take him. But Judas plays a huge role in that. And you think about what having to process what we have to process daily in our little the things that we face daily, like where we turn, we make mistakes, we we disown, we disobey, and how much, like, I don't know, at least for me, it becomes gut-wrenching for me, the the sins, the areas in my life that are hard, it becomes hard to process through. I can't imagine the magnitude of that moment, the realization of, I did this, and it's all coming on right then, the presence. I mean, it's got to be just extreme heaviness. Now, let's talk about Judas doing with the 30 coins. I know, you know we kind of talked a little bit about this, but you had some interesting stuff with that, the 30 coins of silver, what that means, what that looks like. So why don't you share that? Yeah, there's kind of a, a biblical precedent mm-hmm. for the 30 coins of silver. And one of the specific areas that it shows up is in the book of Zechariah. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those areas where where the Lord is being represented as having spoken in such a way that it's, it's bitterly sarcastic mm-hmm. because... What happens is that Zechariah asks for his his due for the work that he was doing, yeah. and he's given these thirty shekels of silver, the yeah. exact same amount that that Judas gets paid. Yeah. And the Lord says to him, "Take that money, very similarly to what happens with Judas, and throw it yeah. to the potter." Yeah, basically indicating that it is worthless, mm-hmm. and basically you know indicate you know in a very sarcastic and facetious way, he's like, and just indicate the magnificent. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, tribute that they were that they were paying. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that term has become historically they call that the price of contempt, mm. which is kind of a wild term. Yeah. But in reality, what they were going to pay Judas for the life of Jesus was really an insult, anyways. Yeah, yeah. The, the amount of money it amounted to was yeah insignificant, but the measure of it and, yeah. and the way it framed out yeah. is kind of wild when you compare it to how it happened in Zechariah mm-hmm. and, and how there's just this similar contempt to yeah. it. it's interesting. And I think Judas gets... A lot of times whenever I hear the story of Judas and Jesus, one thing I hear cycled around a lot is for 30 coins of silver, there's like this like this financial point where almost when people talk about it, it's like, so if it was bigger... It would have been okay, like, yeah. <laughs> like what, like what's the number for you? But I always find it interesting because, like, for thirty coins, and it blows people's mind. It's not just the fact that he betrayed Jesus that blows people's mind. Because when I talk to people who have that conversation around Judas, where it's this negative about the amount, I'm like, we betrayed Jesus for nothing. We betrayed betrayed Jesus all the time for no bribe except for our own pride or our own will or our own desire, we turn our back on him all the time as believers. You know? And so speaking to that a little bit, when you think about humanity now, let's go through this. Let's, humanity now, looking back at this, what can we take from that into our own life when it comes to us in our interaction with Jesus and our relationship with him? I, I mean, what you're describing is it, it's, it's, it's a gut punch mm-hmm. because... 
I, you know, I think of it in very similar terms to what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, first I think about, you know, was Judas's betrayal the only betrayal of Jesus? And mm. the answer is no, mm. right? I mean, we can even look at Peter's denial yeah, of Jesus, yeah. even though Peter says, you know, I'll die before I yeah. deny you. It's like, well, it didn't really happen that yeah. way. Yeah. And then kind of like what we're talking about, I mean, I look at events in my life. If someone were to ask me honestly, have you ever betrayed Jesus mm. on any level? Yeah. I'd have to say, yeah, I yeah. have. Yeah. And then for any number of reasons, for potentially much less, much less significant reasons yeah. than you might think yeah. qualify. Yeah. So it's one of those ones where it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. It's something that's sad and it's humbling because yeah. I don't see myself as exempt from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think it's important, like what you said from the very beginning, when we read of Judas, we need to re read this story as not like a pointer finger at like, there's the, the, the villain of the story. It's a... It's a learning experience for us of in our relationship with Jesus that we will be put in situations where we will have similar opportunities. Like one way I think we betray Jesus all the time is when it comes to his blood being shed on the cross. When we continuously live in shame and regret for sins of our past that that we've we've worked through, we've given to him, we've been made new, but we keep coming back to that. We're betraying that work. We're 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 going against it. We're saying that didn't really cover my sin. That really didn't fix that, right? I'm still going to feel shame for this. And I know it sounds that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. I think like you said you've done betrayals. I think everybody watching this has done that. You know, and maybe there's maybe there's some just having realizations of that. But what do we do now if we're like we're having right now someone's listening and saying, "Okay, I have betrayed Jesus. I have I have betrayed his word. I have betrayed his truth. I have betrayed his will for my life. Now what? What, what do we do? Well, I think the first part, and it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture where Paul talks about, you know, oh, wretch that I am, mm -hmm. who, will, who will rescue me yeah. from this, this predicament? Yeah. And then he talks about there being no condemnation yeah. in Christ. And so I think that first step is... A one of memory. Yeah, it's remembering very much what you said mm -hmm. that Jesus's work mm -hmm. is what makes us right with God, yeah. not us. Yeah, because I think if you lose that point, you get sort of caught in this infinite loop of success, failure, and shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're never going to get out of it. Yeah, uh, so I think that the first part is remembering that. Yeah, and then I think the second part is. Because we remember that, the motivation for our actions have then got to come from gratefulness. Yeah. If we really truly believe that Jesus did this work for us mm -hmm. and did for us what we could not do, then it would naturally follow that something in our heart would say, darn, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I find the only motivation I'm ever able yeah. to maintain to do anything that points me towards Christ is gratefulness. Mm, if great. I do it out of guilt, it fails. If yeah. I do it out of obligation, it fails. If yeah. I do it out of any other reason, except that I'm grateful, yeah. I don't seem to ever get it done. Yeah. And there's so many of us who do a lot of our Christian faith out of that posture of guilt. Like, I'm going to wake up and spend time with Jesus today because I don't want to feel bad about not doing it. You know, it's not like from the posture of like, I love Jesus. I I want to spend time with him. It comes from that posture of like, I just don't want to feel bad about not doing it. Or I don't want to have to tell my friend that I didn't do it today. You know, it's like that kind of back and forth. I want to circle back to point one. You talked about the cycle. 
um, success, regret, shame, right? Is that the right cycle? Success, regret, shame. Break down that cycle. What is success, regret, shame? What's that cycle? It's it's life. Yeah. <laughs> it's every day. Yeah. And and it's that idea that we, you know, we live in this dynamic tension of two realities, mm-hmm. right? We are new beings in Christ. We've been made spiritually new, yet we're still inhabiting these bodies. Yeah. And these bodies are not built for anything that's permanent mm-hmm. or really anything that's Christ-centered. Yeah. So we're in this constant tension of desiring things that have a spiritual nature mm-hmm. and then at the same time not desiring them. Yeah. And Paul talks about that, yeah. you know, about that being a real problem and we all have it. Yeah. And so that cycle, how it plays out is, you know, you, you sort of count your victories, you ignore yeah. or get guilty about your failures yeah. and you just keep, you know, you know, rinse, dry, repeat. That's good. I, I tell people all the time, especially people who are trying struggling with like a specific sin issue, right? Because I see, here's the journey most people go on, right? That we're talking about Judas betrayed Jesus, made this, but like we have these little betrayals, these little things that we do. We'll go, we'll go in our mind, two weeks is the goal. Or like if we make two weeks, we'll go two weeks, but we want to make it two weeks without doing this thing. A week happens and we fail. And it's like the shame just sucks us down, right? And I tell people all the time, okay, wake up tomorrow, go longer. You know, wake up tomorrow and just make more progress. What happens most times, people just get stuck in the shame pillar. Why well, I, I wanted to fix this in my life and I couldn't, right? I, I was trying to make this change and I failed. That's why we see people do, especially with addiction, there's that process of, you know, relapse where it seems to when there's a relapse, it gets even worse because there's that, I, I did so good for so long and now I'm back, right? And we become known for less the time that we had of the success, but the, that one failure, you know? And I think it's important in that circle you're talking about, that success, regret, uh, you know, shame kind of circle that we we realize that everything that we're doing and we're working towards, we need Christ's strength in that. And the enemy uses shame and he uses regret to stop us from moving forward to stop like that life cycle you're talking about, to stop to keep making progress. What's one, thinking of that cycle you're talking about, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone walking, uh, watching this online who's stuck in shame? We shouldn't hold on to something that Christ is taking from us. Great. It's awesome. Yeah. And we have to keep... And, and I think our problem is, is that our memory's kind of all screwed up. Yeah. We remember much more frequently and accurately how we fail mm-hmm. than we do how we succeed. That's really good. Yeah. And, and I think that's just human. Yeah. So I think the things that have to get called to memory, the most important things are, you know, what is, what is Jesus saying about this? Mm-hmm. You, know, what, you know, where's our stance with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. And as we wrap this up, and uh, we wrap this up every time with asking just whoever's you know, on the other side of the table to pray, for maybe someone watching or listening, um, I'm asking you to do that in a second. But one big takeaway for me today is what you said about gratefulness. I think if uh, if people could get that to work on getting to this place of where it's an authentic gratefulness and love in my relationship with Jesus, not a to-do list or a checklist, I think that'd be radical for people. Um, so I hope people are listening to that and it you know touch me. But why don't we just pray? Pray for that one person online who's watching, who's or maybe multiple who's battling through some of the stuff we just talked about. And if you could just do that, would be awesome. Sure. Okay. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you, God, for, for being our hope and our salvation. And Lord, I pray for the people right now who are under the burden of remorse, regret, Lord, and, and shame. And I pray, God, that you would bring to their memory the reality of what you have done and what you are doing and what you will always do for them, God. You will always cover them. You will always make them right before you, Lord. You will always take their sins and put them as far from them as the east is from the west. I pray that you make that a constant reminder in their lives, Lord, and move in a powerful way with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us, Barry. That was great stuff, man. Thank you.